Yeah, and looking forward to more of your thoughts on that one because they're coming in. Do you think India's got the right to do what they are doing with the pitch? Or do you just think, as some of our texters are saying, that it's an absolute disgrace? Right, let's dig into this issue of the day when it comes to NRL. And I mean of the day because the RLPA has put a ring around this and said, if you don't deliver what we want in terms of certain direction in these negotiations, the deadline's today for three key conditions, and then the action starts. The Sydney Morning Herald's been all over this. Adam Pengilly from the SMH is on the line. Morning, Adam. Morning, mate. How are you, mate? Good, thanks. Can we just backtrack a little bit here and just um, outline for us, I gave a bit of a brief to my listeners at the top of the show, what are the list of demands that are on the table for today's close of play? Yeah, there's three things the RLPA has asked the NRL to have finalised by close of business today. Uh, the first, well, the two of them relate to the NRLW. Uh, the first one's all the financial conditions around that competition. We know that the clubs haven't been able to sign any players whatsoever as it stands right now for the competition later this year, given there's no formal agreement on a salary cap and everything like that. So first of all is the financial terms of that. The second part is the non-financial conditions of the NRLW competition, what's going to govern those plays for the next five years in terms of um, parameters, in terms of season length, uh, pregnancy policies, all those things that relate to the, the female players. I think from everything that I understand that both parties are relatively close on getting those things decided with the NRLW competition. The third one to me is the really interesting one, and that might be the sticking point later this afternoon. And the RLPA wants an agreement on autonomy uh, to look after their own funding um, separate from the NRL for the next five years. And that's going to relate to all the different programs they want to run, including their, I suppose, their welfare, their injury hardship, medical retirement funds, uh, wellbeing and stuff like that. And I think the NRL is going to be digging in for a fight on that one. So that's going to be, I think, a real sticking point for the negotiations later today. So, yeah, basically they're the three things that the RLPA and the NRL need to come to some sort of agreement of by today. Otherwise, they're going to escalate their action in this pre-season challenge over the course of the weekend. Yeah, okay. So I'll get your thoughts on that in just a sec, but let's dig a bit deeper then. So like you say, the NRLW top of the list and financial conditions, you'd think, as you well say, that they're close anyway. So that that appears to be something you could get done and dusted by today. Obviously, most of the work's been done. The non-financial side would still be hard, but obviously they've done a bit of there. And I agree with you. The sticking point could be this autonomy to look after funding. Now, People saying, well, hang on a second, if it's the Rugby League Players Association and it's it's their welfare programs, it's their injury hardship, that surely they should have control of the cash, if we put it that, that generally. Yet the NRL would be very wary to hand over a big lump of money to effectively a, an outside organisation, knowing how perilous the, the state of the game's been over the last few years and what happens if we have another COVID and all of a sudden there's $200 million sitting over there being looked after by somebody else. Would that be one of the big sticking points around this point? Yeah, no doubt, mate, absolutely. And I think, to try and put it in context, I think those those programs that the RLPA is talking about probably roughly equates to about $90 million over the course of the next five years, give or take a little bit, obviously. Um, and the NRL, I think, is sort of saying, well, hey, you, you make a very selling point there, mate. We're going to hand over all this money to you. We want to have some sort of control about where you're going to divert it to. And how, how are we to think that you're not going to turn around and put it into another pot or put it somewhere else? But the RLPA, RLPA are very confident about what they want to do with that money, what the players believe, where it should go. So that's a bit of a, I suppose, a, a real sticking point over the control of that money and about where it's going to go. And, and I suppose, mate, you're probably right. We saw that situation with COVID three years ago when the game 
came to an abrupt halt. The whole world's pretty much shut down, and the, and the game had nothing to fall back on. So the NRL is extremely cautious about what it does with its money. The RPA, RPA is saying, well, listen, this is what the players want to do with it. This is what we think we should be doing and looking after our players once they finish finish their football career. So, yeah, I don't know where they're going to get to with that with that issue later today. How, how ironclad do you reckon this deadline is? Obviously, you've got to put a time limit on some certain things, and there's a, there's a very good reason if you're on the RLPA looking out as to why you'd put that deadline because the pre-season challenge starts tonight. But if there's three major issues on the table... Two of those are NRLW, and the other one is the autonomy of funding. What if they get two out of three, Adam? Do you reckon they'd, they'd go okay, or is it you've got to give us three out of three here or we start this action? Well, I reckon we'll find out later tonight, Matt, because we've got the first pre-season <laughs> challenge game on tonight between the Tigers and the Warriors. So, um, <laughs> I, listen, I think there'll be some potential flexibility in terms of that, of that deadline, but there's no doubt the players are fed up and frustrated, and they want some meaningful progress, in their eyes anyway, by the end of business today. So... Uh, yeah, very interesting to see how that sort of plays out. But no doubt that, that, that as I mentioned, that first pre-season challenge match is, is planned for later later tonight. So do we start seeing those demonstrations later tonight if they can't get any any progress? I dare say we probably will. Okay, then on the threat side, refusal to participate. This is what they're threatening. Refusal to participate in all external media. They've already done it with the NRL internal media. Delay kickoff at trials and then covering up the NRL logos. When you look at those and you break those down individually, some are just statements, and some are, I don't know, call it nuisance value. Is that going to be mm. enough to send the NRL hierarchy scampering around to try and get a deal done? Is there anything in particular in those list of threats that you think would bother them the most? Oh, I'm not sure. Man. I suppose trying to you know, mess up the scheduling of the games and the, potentially the broadcast schedule by delaying kickoffs and everything like that can could probably cause some sort of, I'd, I'd imagine, minor issue to the NRL. Will they be completely worried about players covering up the NRL logos on jerseys and stuff like that? Well, it's not going to be a great look, but I don't think the NRL will be petrified about it, put it in those terms. But I, I suppose, and we consider this weekend, mate, we've got games at, obviously, big stadiums. We've also got games at country grounds. We've got the Bulldogs playing the Raiders down at Maruya uh, on the weekend. So can you imagine how much work's gone into that game from the local community in terms of licensing and security and everything like that if we're... If we're talking about shifting kickoff times and everything like that, it's going to have a big knock-on effect to a you know a small town in a in a local community. So there's plenty of I suppose consequences from some of the actions that they're they're planning to take out over the next few days. Um, how scared the NRL be for some of those actions? Well, I don't know. You probably have to ask Andrew Abdo and Peter Volandis to tell you the truth, mate. I can't answer that for them right now at the moment, but it will definitely cause some mind disruption. I would have thought to some of their plans over the course of the the next week or two. Yeah, and I'm a, I'm of the opinion, Adam, that once it starts to say bleed into your organisation's world, I mean, Nine have the free to air rights, and Fox Sports mm. obviously have the subscription rights, and that's where the bulk of the money comes from. Fox are doing all these mm. preseason challenge games, but once you start to mess around with broadcasters' scheduling, you start to pick another fight, which they'll be well and truly aware of both sides. So that, to me, could be the real clashing of the heads. All this other stuff is statement driven. Um, and mm. I think if it gets to that level, that's when this really starts to escalate. And just on that, so do you see this as as another form of escalation here? Is this thing going up in terms of drama or whatever we want to call it instead of sort of reaching reaching a climax? Or, or do you just see this as part of the negotiations that are going to continue for the next, well, three weeks now until the season starts? 
Yeah, I, th- I think it's probably fair to say, Matt, it's definitely some sort of escalation on behalf of the players. And, and we ha- we've had all that drama with Tapegate last week with the, the the apparent secret recording, which was trying to be done without the knowledge of the players and was spotted by a player in that in that forum last Friday. So we know that... I know, I've heard you on your program many times about mentioning about the players not refusing to do NRL-aligned media or promotional events. And I don't think that has a major effect on on any on the NRL or the players themselves, but I think this we can say is fair to say it's definitely an escalation in terms of their tactics. I think these negotiations and that will still be going on for many many weeks, and I would not be surprised if we actually kick off the regular season in round one without any still formal CBA being signed, and the fact that the RLPA and the NRL might still be negotiating table trying to thrash out a lot of things. I think there's no doubt they're close on a number of different issues, but some of the larger issues in terms of the men's game, in terms of the welfare and everything like that, I think they've got a long, long way to go. And there needs to be some serious concessions made. So anyway, we'll see how it plays out, but I wouldn't be holding your breath to get a, a complete resolution in the next few days. Yeah, all right. We'll see what happens by the close of business today. Appreciate your time, mate. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Adam Pengilly from the Sydney Morning Herald there, uh, along with Michael Chambers and Adrian Prezenko with that story. Uh, you can catch it in the papers online, obviously, covering this, this whole issue. And it is going to continue to go on and on. Uh, the Pearls on the text line says, I don't think any team will mind losing this weekend, but they will consider themselves winner-winner chicken dinner if they come through injury-free. As for great lefties, Martina Navratilova, Babe Ruth, AB, special mention to Paul McCartney, yes, Jimi Hendrix and Bob Catter. <laughs> Thank you, Pearl. Thank you. Next time I... Well, yeah, look at vision of Bob taking off the big hat. I'll see if it's the left hand or the right hand. Now, winner, winner, chicken dinner is what we're doing today, thanks to Char Grill Charlie's. What we're going to do after the break is play as somebody who really needs to be on the winner, winner, chicken dinner list because he's having a lean rot and a, uh, lean trot rather, and it came to a head in the world of tennis.